This is Ozarks at Large. The National Science Foundation recently awarded nearly $18 million to a team of University of Arkansas researchers led by Alan Mantooth. This grant is designated to build and operate a new kind of semiconductor research facility. Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore helps explain. Dr. Alan Mantooth is a distinguished professor of electrical engineering at the University of Arkansas. And in addition to teaching and doing research, he also writes grants. And when it comes to asking for $18 million? Oh, it's a process, believe me. Mantooth says about three years ago, his team sent a grant pre-proposal to the National Science Foundation with a plan to do research and fabricate a new kind of semiconductor to be used in all sorts of technology. Uh, We were not selected to submit a full proposal. He says they received a lot of good feedback from the NSF on how they could improve on their proposal and... Two years later, our second uh, pre-proposal this past January, we're invited for a full proposal, which we turned in in April, and then subsequently we're we're awarded. With that money, Mantooth and his colleagues will be building and operating a silicon carbide semiconductor research and fabrication facility. If little to no words in that sentence made sense, that's okay. I'll save you a YouTube search. Let's start with semiconductors. Metals are conductors, which means they help pass electricity. Rubber is an insulator, which stops the flow of electricity. That's why the wiring in your house uses metal for light switches and outlets, but the wiring is surrounded by a rubber sleeve, which protects it from touching other pieces of metal it's not supposed to. A semiconductor, then, is kind of both. Silicon is an example of a semiconductor. At one temperature, silicon acts as an insulator, but when it's heated, it becomes a conductor. Semiconductors are at the heart of every technology, and even helping you listen to this story, whether you're using a classic dial radio or your smartphone. The facility at the U of A is planning to work with a newer and more robust kind of semiconductor, silicon carbide. So, does that mean silicon is being phased out? Definitely not, according to Dr. Mantooth. Silicon will be better and is better for things like your Intel microprocessor. That's silicon, man. I mean, and it's just so finely tuned. It's a perfect, perfect match for that. So for those types of applications, high-speed digital applications, maybe even a lot of analog applications, you know, where we're doing signal processing, uh, data conversion, A to D conversion, a lot of applications, silicon will still be the key. What's the difference between silicon and silicon carbide? As Dr. Mantooth explains, silicon is a lattice structure. And what we're doing to make silicon carbide is it's a hybrid. So it's a, it's an alloy between silicon and carbon atoms. Put them together, make silicon carbide. Silicon carbide semiconductors can handle higher voltages, which means they are more powerful. And they can also withstand higher temperatures. This is attractive for things like applications such as transportation or electric power grid. Another major field of transportation this is exciting for is heavy machinery, like bulldozers and tractors. It all comes down to energy efficiency, promoting lighter weight, more compact solutions, and silicon carbide lends itself to make that happen. And Our labs here at the University of Arkansas for the last decade, working with our collaborative partners uh, both here in Arkansas and, and, and throughout the country and abroad, have demonstrated time and again 
applications of how silicon carbide is a big advantage. But don't think of silicon and silicon carbide as competitors. The two different kinds of semiconductors work together in different types of machines harmoniously. We've seen the gaps in our global supply chain that have become evident during this pandemic, whether it's running out of toilet paper, nations trading import tariffs, or a giant boat getting stuck in the Suez Canal. Depending on global markets for something as critical as a semiconductor is very consequential. And Dr. Mantooth says America should be the nation leading the charge in research and fabrication. I mean, when you're dealing with international trade, there's advantages and there's disadvantages. And we see what some of the disadvantages can be when you don't have a resilient supply chain. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't import some things or, or need to. We will. But, you know, as much self-sufficiency as we can have, then maybe that's, that's a good thing. The nearly $18 million is meant to pay for infrastructure, equipment, and enhancements to current facilities. But Dr. Mantooth says there will not be a new construction on campus for this project. It is for refurbishment of existing facilities, the equipment itself, the installation costs, and the commissioning costs. So bringing the equipment up to speed and up to, up to specification. A lot of that is done on site. Remember, this is highly specialized equipment. The lead time to actually get it will be like a year for some of them, maybe even a little bit more. It's made to order. It's made by companies that will bring the equipment. They will install it. They'll have engineers on site. They'll get it all tweaked up, and we will run material through it. It pays for all of that, and it also pays for students to be engaged in this activity, particularly the commissioning activity. Once the, once the tool is kind of operating, then the students will have an opportunity to interact with the equipment, learn things. The money will also go towards full-time staff and doctorate researchers. They will also be doing small-scale fabrication on site as well. What that is, that represents a bridge between two things that are divided right now. One is the, the research community, whether it's small businesses, national labs, universities, or big businesses, and production, high-volume production. How do you get between those two? And our fab facility represents a bridge between those two, where companies and universities can prototype their ideas in low volume, check out their ideas for relatively low cost. And then if it's something that bears fruit, then they can go to high volume production. If you're a small business, this is a great way to do something and you don't have to bet your entire company on whether or not you're successful, for example. And so this is this is a, this this helps fill a part of the manufacturing ecosystem from laboratory to the market. Mantooth says it's important to remember the main reason why he's so excited about this funding. Is so that the University of Arkansas produces a better student product. At the end of the day, the students are our main product. And we're about producing the very best student we can. And with that, you have to have competitive facilities. You have to have great faculty who can teach them, who are experts in their areas. Uh, and we create that culture, and that attracts people to you. And you, you get great students who then themselves maybe go start companies or, or they go to work for companies and, and, and have happy and productive lives. That's what this is about. It's about producing a better student and, and doing all we can as faculty and administrators at the University of Arkansas to, to fulfill that mission for the state. And so that's the big message here. That's why we're, 
we're tickled to death that we've been able to procure this. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Matthew Moore.